So I think that's a major melody with some big jumps and um, a few minor passages, but that's life. Hi, welcome to the Be Hair podcast, where we talk about how we can live more mindfully by living more musically. My name is Brian Royce, and this is where I share my journey with music and mindfulness. On today's episode, we're talking about the melody of a song with the help of a very special guest, a multi-talented modern-day Renaissance man, Dr. Mario Evan Guthrie. Mario is a medical doctor, a fellow singer like myself, a content creator, event host, podcast host for his own podcast called Talk Truth. I didn't pronounce that right. Talk Truth. <laughs> um, Mario, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. Yo, Brian, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Um, we met virtually and now we're um, recording virtually. No, isn't that cool? <laughs> the honor is all mine. Yo. No, thank the you so honor much. is mine. Um, before we jump into it, as is tradition, I, I'm just going to ask you to join me, pause and take two deep breaths with me. So the idea behind this is I don't want you to change anything about what where you're sitting, how you position. Right. Just inhale slowly and feel what it feels like to take a breath. Sure. And you might feel sort of the sensation where your body makes contact with your chair um, and feel your chest rise and your rib cage expand. So. Yeah, I stole a few breaths between my two breaths, but there were two big breaths. <laughs> yes. And I did, I did feel the sensation of my body on the chair. Yes. And the movement of my ribs moving out and in. Yes. When you pause, and, uh, it starts to like, there's so much to take in, you know? Yeah, because I blocked out everything else. Yes, as it should be. I'm so glad that you have chosen to be here. And our listeners that you have also chosen to be here. Um, great. So today we're breaking down the concept of what is the melody of a song? We have two singers on our podcast right now. Um, and we're going to we're gonna be drawing from um, our experience as singers and we're also going to be drawing some references to what we can make of it from a mindfulness perspective. Um, but just to introduce you to our listeners, Mario, can you please tell us a bit about yourself? You know, you're a multi-talented guy. You have um, so much going on for you. Um, could you just give us a snapshot of your your career journey, your life arc to this point? Yeah, sure. And and this is always the tricky question to answer. But you did such yeah. a great introduction of what I do. So I would like to say that I... Um, brother, friend, I am an empath. I like to help people self-actualize and I really feel like life should be fun and it's about the journey and not the destination. <laughs> That's that. kind of about who I am. Yeah. Um, in terms of my art journey, I'm born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica and the only time I wasn't here was when I went to Berkeley College of Music, what? which was after medical school. So no I way. did medicine worked a little bit, went to Berkeley, came back with a degree in music business and songwriting, and then all the other creative stuff kind of spiraled after. What? That's awesome. A doctor so, yeah. shows up to Berkeley and he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to own this place. <laughs> and no, nobody oh, cool knew. <laughs> nobody knew because I didn't tell them. Unfortunately, I looked younger than I am. Or I look younger than I am. So cool. I was able to be everybody else's age for quite a while yeah. until they found out I was a doctor but yeah <laughs> I love that and so where are you right now in life right now we're in a pandemic and I would say that I'm doing more medicine than music which okay. I don't particularly love but I've also come to embrace and accept as where I should be right now 
Yeah. So um, I'm embracing it. And I mean, I still perform when we can. And yeah. I really want to create more music again. So I have one album that I released in 2015. Mm-hmm. And I really am itching to create again. We're ready for it. Yeah. Let's go. 2021, <laughs> 2022. 2022, let's go. Yeah. I'm going to be like you on the gram, you know? Cover let's videos, go. original <laughs> songs. Like, they're going to see music. That's the, always the plan in the mind. <laughs> I love it. So yeah. I want to just find, I just want to know, what brought you to medicine? Well, my father is a gynecologist and mm-hmm. I grew up seeing medicine in front of me. I always like to clarify that I was not one of those kids forced into medicine because that's okay. always the kind of Caribbean assumption. Yeah. Um, but it's an easy assumption to make because it's so common on this side of the world. Yeah. Uh, but I would say because it was the example I had and because I chose sciences, I kind of just ended up following that pick a typical job kind of path and then I ended up down the line of doing medicine. It's just kind of yeah. weird that I got to got into UE, actually the pure and applied sciences, but my aim was like, what do I do with the sciences? And with a medical doctor, father, it kind of led me down the road of yeah. medicine is the stable profession to choose. No, and I feel that. That's really what happened. Um, but along the way, a lot of music started to creep in on the okay. journey. Mainly, uh, you, there's a group of guys I used to sing with in high school called the Choir Boys and started to do background vocals for even like Elaine and a few other people. Nice. And then that just really started to give me a lot of exposure to performing. And JMTC, you yeah. singers. And it just realized that music was a bigger part of the equation for me than I thought it would have been. At what age did you realize that music was going to be a part of your life? Well, I started singing at seven. So I wouldn't seven. say that I recognized it then. Mm-hmm. I think I just started doing it then. Okay. I would say in high school, maybe when I was around 11, 12, I was recognizing that I was mimicking a lot of melodies yeah. and a lot of artists on the radio and that it was something that I did. And as I sang more in high school, I recognized that girls particularly would respond to it. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, so maybe I'm a little bit more than average because they seem to be responding in a way that <laughs> maybe not for everybody singing. So I was like, okay, maybe I do have some talent. And um, at the end of medical school was when I decided instead of specializing, I would rather learn more about music by going to applying for Berkeley. Because I felt a bit pigeonholed in Jamaica. Because if you're not doing dancehall or roots reggae, there is this mm. kind of way where singers get lost in the, in the, in the mix, mm. lost in the sauce. I hear you. Um, so I think it was partially to learn more, but also partially for my validation. Because I felt yeah. very talented and I wanted to be in a space where I felt accepted. Was and it was like? the best thing I ever did. What was it like going to Berkeley and being surrounded by so many other young, talented, ambitious people who challenge you to be a better version of yourself? What was that experience like? There, there aren't words to describe it. It, it is kind of one of the most surreal experiences, especially for me now to just kind of finishing med school and working, doing an internship and working a little bit. I'm now transformed or transferred over to Boston with a 30% international population. And as you said, a bunch of people who are all in love with music. Yeah. And trying to reach some kind of musical goal. Um, just unreal. I mean, not just the lessons, but the people. Yeah. That's yes. such an interesting life journey that that you've taken. And I relate to so much of what you said. Yeah. I feel as though my story would a lot more closely parallel yours if I didn't have the opportunity um, for um, the university level to, to study abroad, which is where, what I did. Um, what did I you study? I studied psychology and music, which sort of ties in nicely with what I'm talking about here. <laughs> this makes perfect sense, right? Yeah, so psychology was the major and music was the minor? 
That's right. Yeah. Okay. My school didn't offer minors, but I did the equivalent number of courses of minors. Um, and I also lived and breathed a cappella and right. um, voice lessons. And so I, oh, I basically so this... minored in music, although I don't have it on my degree officially. I understand. And this explains why you appreciate harmony so much. But today's episode yeah. is about melody. <laughs> yeah, it's about melody yes, before I know. Well, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just the, the different, you know, phases that your life goes through. Um, I love it. Really cool. Okay. I'm so also let's... going to try and not interview you, but that's the podcaster in me. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Interview. This is a conversation. Let's go. Exactly. Right. Um, so I want to talk about mental health. As yeah. a medical practitioner yourself, health is at the forefront of what you think about and practice. And I feel like mental health in this day and age has really come to the forefront of our social dialogue in recent years. And it's something that I think is good. I'm happy for it. Yeah. Um, I want to know as a medical doctor, what is your take on um, not just the importance of mental health, but how it fits into the conversation or the schema about somebody's overall health? Well, well, I think it's an important facet of um, holistic health. And, and I'm glad you brought it up because, again, culturally, I feel it's something that we've swept under the rug a lot. So it's nice to be in an era and a time where almost like everybody's talking about it now. Yeah. But I think it needs to be discussed. And, and we have a far way to go in Jamaica specifically. But, um, and particularly with the pandemic, it creates mm -hmm. a whole bunch of new facets of people being lonely and alone and being isolated and um, really having to analyze a whole lot of things that they probably never thought about before yeah. when the world was buzzing yeah, with distractions. So distractions. So, so I think it's very important. In what ways would you like to see the conversation on mental health sort of advanced, whether it's specific to Jamaica or just in general? Well, I just think that people need to have more conversations, but I am happy with the direction that is going in. But I would say that we just need to continue and broaden the conversations a bit. And that's just worldwide. And Jamaica has some specific things that I think it needs to target as well. Yeah. But um, overall, I'm happy with the fact that the space is there now. I never felt like the space was even well carved out. It was like a bushy path, you know, and now yeah. somebody kind of chopped down the grass. Yeah, and we I think kind it helps of... to have a label to it, you know, that this is, you can label this as mental health and you can talk about things in their respective um, categories, if you will. And the fact that a lot of it is a bit less stigmatized now. So we're exactly. open to talking about or having a bit more difficult conversations of in course. public. Um, people feel like, wow, I'm not the only one that's that's having a hard time battling with my own mind. Exactly, um, exactly. And I mean, to be honest, even though I didn't, label my podcast talk truth about mental health at the end of the day it's all about kind of creating a space where a lot of the things that are taboo are discussed yeah. and um it still comes back to trying to not make anyone feel like they're alone that there's there are other people going through this yeah and and people tell their stories and and their stories resonate and everybody has a story i feel weird when i talk about mindfulness to be quite honest because i feel like I, it, it sometimes I fear that it borders on getting preachy um, or too deep in real life <laughs> right, conversations. Right, 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 but right. It's, it's such a central part of my own personal development. I think since the start of the pandemic, which is when I started taking it seriously, right, primarily as a means of supplementing my mental health at the time, um, and it's now sort of moved into a central position in sort of my daily routine, um, mindfulness practice and definitely has huge implications for mental health in general. Um, and I kind of want to ask you, 
um, personally, what does mindfulness mean to you? Do you have any sorts of mindfulness practice or um, meditation? Uh, that's a great question. Um, first, let me try and give a definition. I don't know if I have a formal yeah. definition, but within my definition, I would say that being present in the moment is important to me for mindfulness. And as mindful comes from the word mindfulness, uh, it's also a presence of thought to in terms of awareness. So awareness and presence are big for me. Um, the pandemic actually pushed me into a medita meditation practice. I never used to do it, but I pushed myself and I started doing it every morning. And I would do short routines, kind of learning how to meditate and how to breathe, breathe and how to really just <laughs> be present yeah. and be mindful. And just like what we did at the beginning of this podcast with the two deep breaths, it's amazing how many things you can sense when you are mindful. Yeah, when you just pause um, and be here. When you pause. I mean, I would go on morning walks and they transformed from walks where I would be listening to something in my earphones to to walks where I would literally start to see and hear birds. <laughs> it was almost yeah. like there are moments where I would be walking and the environment would become loud and yeah. everything else would become quiet. And that never used to happen until I started my meditation practice. Yeah. No, I like, so admit right. I'm not um, consistent with it, but I did unlock at least that first phase where I started to feel and sense things that I hadn't really processed yeah. before. And that was big. No, your presence, your intentional presence brings this awareness, not just to you, but to, but to your environment, just like you said. I love yeah, that. it was unreal, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that that sort of encapsulates my, my whole idea of how mindfulness, at least for me, has enhanced the subjective quality of my lived experience yeah. um, to, make a feel, to make me feel as though I'm a bit more just connected to what's going on internally, externally and what's going on here right now. And I think music also helps me to do this as I do a lot more musical practice because in performing music, you have to be intentional and present and aware in order to be, you know, in the song instead of just reciting um, you do. sounds. You, you know? do. Um, so I, I like that you... No, I was, well, sorry, before you jump to the next question, I was going to say, I kind of like that you said you didn't want to sound preachy, mm -hmm. but it's important for me to say that I don't think everybody will stumble upon mindfulness easily. I think that sometimes yeah. you have to be in a certain place or have certain experiences or it's something that may happen at a certain time on your journey. Yeah, Because I, um, I, I, I definitely cannot say that this would have happened before easily. But yeah. I think for me, the pandemic helped to push me into that zone and, and just maturity and life for me specifically. I don't know what pushed you there. Hopefully, I feel like just the more um, mainstream it becomes in just talking about mental health, mindfulness, um, then when the time is right for individual people, the, the, the probability they'll stumble upon a conversation about around mindfulness hopefully will be higher just the more we talk about it. Right. Sort of right. how I'm justifying continuing to engage with people like yourself and others about this. Right. Um, yeah. So I did want to shift and talk about um, or, or to start pick your, picking your brain a bit musically. Yes. Um, I, I want to talk about the concept of melody, like I said. So in particular, let's explore this, this metaphor, which I was kind of thinking about before, um, or I guess you could technically call it a simile. Um, let's say a melody is like the emotional story arc or the story arc of somebody's life. You know, that's right. kind of what I'm thinking about in terms of how the melody fits into a song um, and what that means, you know, from a mindfulness perspective in our lives. 
as a musician who yeah. is also a podcaster, you know, yourself, who's talked to so many people about their life stories, I feel like you are a perfect person to explore this metaphor with about the melody as sort of your story arc. You I know? think... Brian, this is such an exciting question. You don't even want to know how exciting this question is. I haven't uh, asked a question yet. <laughs> no, what's the question? <laughs> just the concept right, how, of it. Let's, talk, let's, de- let's define things. How would you define the melody of a song? All right. And I'm going to be a little theoretical here. but Go for it. Technically, we're here for. Um, let's call a melody a series or a sequence of notes. And when you combine those notes, they come together to form... I'll call it a phrase. Mm -hmm. And many melodies can exist within a song. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a combination of these melodies will form this complete thing that we'll call a song, right? Yeah. Uh, And different melodies. Give us a little example now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an Um, auditory learner. I learn by examples, you know? No pressure, no pressure. I know, right? Like, I wish I had warmed up. I know. (laughs) That's what the singer would say. You should have known. I know, right? I should have known. Uh, let me see. I should probably sing one of my own songs. All right. So, my yeah. my soul take, my soul take to you, baby. Soul take to you, no lie. All right. So that falsetto. So we did, we did soul take, and we have the falsetto. But I mean, when I sing soul take for me, not that I thought this through, but it does make me feel some kind of happiness. It feels pleasant. It feels major. It feels. Major. It feels pleasant. Yeah, a major, major, right? Major as in major minor. That's mm-hmm. where we're at. All right. So, but um, the falsetto part in it takes me on a little journey. And where it okay. happens at the end of the phrase makes it interesting. And it's kind of like, da 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 na lie. I yeah. don't know. I mean, so it's funny you... how me analyzing my own song. I really didn't think about it, but. That's good. The na lie is the emphasis. It's like, I like you. Na lie. What do you think it is about certain melody, melodies that just excite you or grab your attention? Like, what are some of the components of a melody that maybe somebody listening to our, um, this podcast can um, think about next time they hear literally any song? Um, well, the things that excite me depends on what I'm listening to. And I'll be honest, there is an element of catchiness to a melody that mm-hmm. will make it exciting. And I think music for a lot of people is about whether you can sing it, whether you can replicate it. Yeah. And I think really great songs have really catchy melodies. Mm-hmm. For me as a singer, I like sometimes intricate melodies because yeah. the intricacy of it appeals to technical ability, which yeah. just excites singers. Yeah. Um, sometimes range and again, some melodies that go low or melodies that go really high, um, like that major song, This Is Why I Love You, where he's love like it. almost in like a high falsetto. Mm-hmm. And some people's voices are pitched there and that's great. But the fact that he's singing so high as a man and comfortably, that's kind of exciting when you yeah. hear it and it's, it creates a certain emotion, you know? Yeah. Um, let's have an, have a, I can go on, on and on for days with songs that I love. Um, all right. Demi Lovato, Stone, Stone Cold. Mm, that song range. I love a lot. Range again, but she starts really low and then she jumps like an octave. Yeah. You know, so she does like an octave jump and that creates this, I don't know, this sadness and this darkness in the beginning. And then it just, her likes belting, <laughs> belting. Yeah. Um, For our listeners, an octave is just um, an eight note difference. Eight, between eight note difference from what the What is basically note. the same note. What is basically the same note. So yeah. a, a middle C to the C, the C above it on a piano mm-hmm. or any instrument. So those things um, excite me as a singer. Uh, 
So yeah, yeah. I think repetition is an important part of, exactly. of a catchy melody. Yeah. Something that is singable, like you said. Um, and when I was thinking about this, I was like, what makes a good melody? But I don't even really think there is such a thing. You know, if we want to take a musical relativism um, approach, to right. this, we, I guess you couldn't say good or bad. Which means, but, right, there's no bad melody either, right? Yeah. Um, but I think some of them definitely stand out among others yeah. um, and are more um, hooky in your mind. Right. Um, I like what you said about um, vocal intricacy. You know that song, Moody's Mood for Love, that my cousin... Yeah, Moody's um, Mood for Love. Stop yeah. Popping. There are there are many versions of it, right? So many. But yeah. Like Amy Winehouse when she sings it, I don't know if you've ever like really stopped and made that song, but no yeah. two notes are the same in there. Right. I'm going to check it out right after this. It's, it's wild. It's wild, um, right? Yeah. And it kind of just blows my mind how there's something as super complicated like that where the melody really grabs me. But then like another melody, like let's say this little lad of mine. Like that's I, just one note. Think about that. Right. Is it so? Yeah. Is it as but small variations within a small range, right? And yet it's still very compelling. Yeah, I was doing some research by um, reading one of my old psychology professors' um, articles on um, recognizing music and and music and memory, um, and he was arguing in one of his research papers that people whether they're trained musicians or not, mm -hmm. tend to remember musical um, melodies in terms of, like you said earlier, phrases, right. small passages of about six to 11 notes is sort of the range um, that capture a musical idea. And like you said, a bunch of these phrases can be wrapped up in um, a verse or even the chorus and put together to string, you know, in the course of an entire song. Right. Um, but something I found really interesting about um, his research was that he suggested that people can only really recognize a melody once the phrase is done. So yeah. he gave this example of Frosty the Snowman. You know that melody? Frosty the Snowman. And exactly. And he um, tested a bunch of undergraduates where um, whereby he played the first note in Frosty the Snowman. And wow. at each stage of the game, they were like, um, they were asked to identify the song. There were no words. It was just the melody alone. Um, right. And he noticed that you only, pe people only really recognize the melody once the whole phrase is done. So if you just listen to da da, you'd be like, you, that could be anything. What could be anything, yeah. Da da da. Could be still anything, right? Da 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 da. Still like, could be anything. Da, 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 da. Oh, once you get that note, yeah, it changes yeah. the game. Yeah. And at that point, what they what he argues is you've completed a phrase, um, and only at that point there's an all or nothing response from the brain where it lights up and says, Oh, I recognize that. Right. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. If you want to expand on this idea of um of a melody as the story arc behind your life. It's, it's interesting that you can only really appreciate this story arc or this melody once it's kind of done <laughs> or once you pause right. and right. look back at, right. oh, that's what that was. Right. Like, what, what do you what do you think of that? I think it's amazing and I think it's fascinating. And, and I hadn't thought about it until you just said it. And it is probably the perfect analogy to life because I feel like really and truly your life experiences are like small melodies. Yeah. And um, matter of fact, you're always writing the song. So right now, right now we're in a melody. Ooh. 
and we actually don't know how the phrase is going to end just yet. And um, it gets deeper because when you publish this podcast, the melody continues because this is the melody that we're experiencing when we're recording and how we mm. interact and then how other people interact with it will also cause it to evolve. Yeah. It's deep. Um, it's deep, right? <laughs> but it also means the longer you live that you probably have a symphony going on <laughs> in your life. Yeah. Like, I, what, I used the counterpoint on these things. I forgot what they are. They, they, each of the passages in the counterpoint, whatever the mm-hmm. thing was, they all are different movements. Mm-hmm. And the movements have such very different emotions. Yeah. And I feel like your life is like a bunch of these movements. And some of them are fast. Some of them are slow. Some oh, of them... This is getting deep. Some of them are simple. Some of them are complicated. Because um, in counterpoint, what you're hinting at here for people who are not familiar, counterpoint is the idea of arranging harmony based on writing two parallel melodic lines that when you stack them on top of each other, create harmony. Wow. They create harmony. And so they do like actually the fit specific rules that they have to fit. Yeah. <laughs> which I hated in yeah. music school. Counterpoint is like the organic chemistry of music is what yeah. I've been told. <laughs> I don't know. And yes, yeah, awful. <laughs> but it's so beautiful though. Because it's beautiful and awful arc, at the same time. When your story arc overlaps with somebody else's melody or story arc, it is when it comes together in this beautiful harmony, like you just said, wow. It's crazy that this is just coming off the top of our heads as we just dig. Well, I mean, I mean, we did study <laughs> music, right? So I know people who are listening to this who are not musicians might be like, what? What, what am I listening to? But thank you for defining all of the musical terms. That's your yes, job today. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. Um, as somebody who has a few years on me, just a how, few. Would you, how would you describe <laughs> your life's melody so far um, in terms of the, fra- the phrases or phases you've been through and strung together? Um has it been sort of up and down, all over the place? Is it cohesive? Is yeah. it major or minor? And what what is exciting you about the melody that you still get to write? I know that's wow, kind of that's a, a beautiful question. question. Um, it's big, but I would say that because life is life, it has been major and minor, but I think it would probably be more major than minor mm. so far. And um and for that to make sense of that, make for it to make sense to people, I would want to say that I think I've had a really beautiful and good life in terms of the opportunities I've been offered. You know, like I still have both parents alive. I have an older brother who's like my best friend. Mm. You know, like I have great friends, great family. And I feel like I've been aligned with a lot of the things I've wanted to do. I've, or I've had opportunities to do a lot of the things that I've wanted to do, which not yes. a lot of people get to do. It's a beautiful word. So I think mind. that's a major melody um with some big jumps and um a few minor passages but um yeah. that's life but i mean that's what makes a song beautiful is the combination is of, the combination minor, the and the contrast and, and the ups and downs mm-hmm. you have to um, jump up an octave every now and again for dramatic effect and then drop back and down come back down <laughs> right yeah. and i would say it's been cohesive and it's made sense so far but and for the melody to come i really want it to jump like bigger octaves like i'm yeah. always one of those people once i'm breathing i want things to always evolve into something mm-hmm. bigger and better so it never stops you know it just yeah. keeps getting more interesting you know the song bohemian rhapsody yeah <laughs> you know how that, <laughs> that, that song is a roller coaster it's a roller coaster <laughs> that's probably maybe maybe that's a great analogy how close would you feel like your life is still bohemian rhapsody <laughs> 
I'm not quite there or is yet. It more like a like a church hymn where you know sort of like this is the verse and we're going to sing this seven times and then after we sing this one we're going to sing it another seven times and change one word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, you know it's kind of probably like PJ Martin and Spice mixed together. That's right such an interesting combo that I would That's... pay money to see. <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't I wouldn't say quite at Bohemian Rhapsody yet but um it's it's pretty interesting. <laughs> Somebody's life out there listening to this might feel like Bohemian Rhapsody. And if that's you, celebrate. Because celebrate. Bohemian Rhapsody is a friggin' masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. And so is your life. <laughs> and so is your life. I love this metaphor. I'm going to expound on this some more in, in my own um, reflection and editing this podcast. And hopefully in some future conversations on this podcast as well. I'm not going to lie, Brian. I am. I am this, no one has asked me any of these questions. and and Ever in life. Ever in life. And I think that you're... <laughs> I mean, I definitely think you're onto something very interesting because for you to tie mindfulness to music is is just very unique. It's very interesting. And thank you. I like being asked questions that I've never been asked. <laughs> because I'm, I'm here mean, for the depth. Yeah, when you when you're when you do a few interviews, which you have done and will do more, you'll realize that, especially as a musician, people tend to ask you similar stuff. So mm. what what are you doing now? Um, what are you gonna create next? Yeah. And you ain't get a lot of that. Boring. But this is a whole different <laughs> space. Yeah, I want to dig deeper. So yeah. my last question, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like I have to ask all of my guests this, but in what ways do you think living musically helps you to live mindfully or vice versa? And in what ways does living mindfully help you to live mu- more musically? Wow, I like this. Well, I, I can straight up tell you that when I'm in a zone of music, when I'm on a stage, when I'm performing, when I'm with a band, particularly because when you're with a band you have multiple people on a stage that are that have the same ultimate goal and somehow you are consciously or unconsciously connected to all of these people yes it is one of the most connected and bizarre things bizarre i think that you can experience and and musicians appreciate this and i don't know if there are any easy words to really explain what that experience is like and probably how addictive it probably is. All right, but addiction aside, it's interesting, especially when these friends, people are friends, because when you know the people, then it makes it even more intense because you actually know the humans and you get along and then you share this musical space. (laughs) I think it's one of the most mindful and present spaces anyone can be in, unless you're in it for the wrong reasons, unless you're doing it to look cute or to sound good. But once you get lost in that, which... I think all musicians do. Oh my goodness. It is, this is where now people who watch music, when artists say that music is not about audience, if you ever hear that, mm-hmm. I can get it mm-hmm. because sometimes artists get lost in the music mm. and then the audience kind of just becomes a, you know, like a benefactor of, of yeah. that. <laughs> but, yeah, no. but I get it because it's I, a mindful space. Absolutely. What, I just want to echo everything that you just said. This is something that I think will be my life's work is articulating that, what yeah. you just said. Yeah. Because unless you experience it, you don't really get what you're trying to touch on. Um, and when you try to describe it in, in language, it always comes across as so bizarre and ethereal. And like, what is this guy really talking about? Um, but you said it so well. It's, it feels as though you are connected to some otherworldly presence. Um, right. And this is where we, we, you know, some people who are more spiritual might take this in um, yeah. several different directions. But if it feels you're, like you are yeah. 
there's a you are you are connected to something that is outside of yourself and it exists and you are just a temporary conduit of it for a second um and you get to experience that connection and share that with the people that you are co-creating the music with yeah. and there's a there's a bond that happens between the other people and you that are um, making the music um as you said if you know them as human beings it's only a, even better a even deeper connection most of my best friends in life have have been um the result of the, those kinds of spaces right where you connect over um that shared creation space and being connected to that that you just said right and so a lot of it you can't explain no um and i i don't know as you said it's, it feels sometimes you will have out of body musical experiences mm -hmm. And I, th I always feel like those are the best ones. So yes. my best performances are the ones where I've gotten lost in them. And when I say best, mm -hmm. I think you are most like uninhibited and you yeah. probably have been the most authentic in that moment. And I think yeah. people feel that. And that happens in those moments when you kind But of get lost. It's interesting the wording you said when you get lost in the music, because to some extent you do get lost in it. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, it's almost the most present you have felt in a while, you know? You you're, nailed you're it. lost, but you are still so here and, and grounded in what's happening that when it's done, you kind of step back and it's almost like a goosebumps moment. You're like, whoa, I was so present. I was you so close it. to the present moment and to the current reality of, of creating this song um, that when it's over, you can only step back and just feel gratitude. Like, wow. And feel gratitude. And what you really lose is that you lose all the distractions and you yeah. lose all the distractions from the things that you shouldn't have been focused on in the first place. Yes. Man, which I would be like, the attention and the glamour and and you know those things yeah <laughs> but you really I, appreciate it yeah we have struck onto i think something that deserves its own episode so i'm gonna go and write down all of these thoughts and hopefully come back to this at another point in time in the podcast but i really just wanted to thank you so much for being on this episode with me I have absolutely loved our conversation. Yes. Um, and I hope that we can have more conversations like this and um, people who are listening can continue this conversation with either one of us and everybody you know, else in their lives, their friends, so on and so forth. Um, is there anything else you'd like to mention before we, we wrap up? I just want to thank you for having me. It's been amazing. And of course, I want to plug myself because who doesn't plug themselves on our podcast? Um, pretty much just head over to Mario Evan. That is pretty much my artist name. And that's M-A-R-I-O. E-V-O-N and I am Mario Evan everywhere. Everywhere. And, and I'm on everywhere. every platform. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok. Um, TikTok, I might be something else, but just type it in the search. You'll find mm. me. I'm the only one, I think. And your podcast? My podcast is called Talk Truth. Um, and you see, this is the thing. There's a link tree link on my Instagram page, which will take you to everything. Mm -hmm. But I'm also at T-L-K-T-R-T-H. It's like Talk Truth without the vowels. It's gotcha. kind of cool. Com. So you can check that out and listen to me talking about life and um, basically talking truth with different guests and sometimes just me talking by myself. <laughs> I love it. Excellent podcast. Mari, you're doing amazing things. Thank you so much for being here. I've had a blast talking with you. Thank you. The song of the week for this episode is Cry by Dalton Harris. Go listen to the acoustic version and listen to all of the really interesting and intricate intervals he's using in his melody. Like, listen to that note in the first verse when he sings, Venus and Mars. That note is technically outside of the key of B major that he's playing in because it is the minor fourth 
which feels like it wants to resolve back to the key center, back home, which is in the key of B major. It's a classic move that musicians use sometimes to put like an extra gut-wrenching feeling to their song. You'll hear this one in like When I Was Your Man by Bruno Mars. Um, and I think Creep by Radiohead uses it. You can go check those out as well. But it really adds this element of like heart-wrenchingness to the song, to the melody. And it allows him to riff along these really cool bluesy scales. He also jumps up an octave so many times in the chorus. And it's just a it's just a killer vocal, man. So if you can go check out Cry by Dalton Harris, especially the acoustic version, it's so good. So remember to follow the podcast on whichever major streaming platforms you get your podcasts at. You can reach out to me at Brian Royce on Instagram to leave your comments and feedback and reviews on the podcast. That's Brian with a Y. And it would also make me super happy if you'd like to keep up with my musical journey by streaming my music on all major music platforms and by connecting with me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, the works. If you think there's someone else that I should invite onto the podcast, please reach out. I love talking with new people who bring fresh perspectives to the table. So, as you move through the day, remember to be here and be mindful of where your attention's at. Make it good, make it groovy, and catch you next time on the Be Hair Podcast.